welcome back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod and this is episode number 16. This week it's Andy Robertson, who started out as a graphic designer, trained as a university. And then after a few years at an agency, he decided that he wanted to change a path. Um, and that led him to the Hot Chocolate Trust, where he is now. And he became a youth worker. And the, the sort of design training and, and basis that he had is an interesting lead into that position. And he talks a little bit that, about that on the podcast, which is really interesting and in how he applies the, the design skills that he has to really help put on engaging events and workshops and projects with the young people of Dundee. Um, if you don't know the Hot Chocolate Trust, they are a charity that operates out of the Steeple Church in the centre of Dundee. That's the, the big one that sits in front of the Overgate. And I actually went in to do the interview with Andy and he gave me a bit of a tour and I had absolutely no idea they owned so much of the building and that they've got some amazing spaces for musical performance. Um, they've got a sports hall with these amazing stained glass windows at the end and just spaces for hanging about and just getting away from it all. And it really is a, a fantastic charity doing some amazing work with the young people of Dundee. And they're also always on the lookout for creatives to come and get involved and, and help out with some of their projects, whether that's music-based or art and design or craft-based things. So if you think that's something you might be interested in, go and check out hotchocolate.org.uk. Um, and they, they tend to run projects all year round. So, yeah, just give them a shout and, and go in and speak to them. I'm sure they'll be more than happy. So, yeah, just before we, we jump into the podcast, I've started, I suppose, putting in a, a thought a week, um, a little ramble before we get into the, the main event. And this week is it's more about the future of the podcast and diversifying slightly in that the majority of interviews I've done so far have been sort of one-to-one or one-to-two. But what I'd like to start doing is some roundtables where we get people of a, a common interest or a sort of diverse group of people and chat around a particular subject. So not necessarily focusing in on people's actual stories, but more about discussing around a, a certain topic. So I've got one of them lined up to go um, in the next few weeks. So yeah, look out for that coming soon. And I've also had a request from a couple of people saying, well, when are, when are you going to do your own episode and get someone to interview you? And I suppose it's not something I really thought about before. But yeah, I think I'll probably will do that at some point in the future. And uh, yeah, you can hear all about my journey to to where I am now. So yeah, that's, that's the ramble over for this week. Um, now it's into the podcast and it's episode 16 with Andy Robertson. One of the defining things for me is that I'm, I suppose, in some sense, was not in design, uh, although it was arguable. But I work for a youth work charity called Hot Chocolate Trust. But I'm from a design background. I what did I do? I went to Duncan and Jordanston here, came to Dundee um, for that, and I've stayed ever since because I love it. What did you do? Studied graphic design, and well, did the general course, and then onto graphic design. Had a great time, uh, and then following that, went on to work for a company just outside of Perth, doing kind of motion graphics, animation, kind of, and things surrounding that. 
which was great in many respects and the creative process has got a lot out of but yeah at some point kind of grew slightly unsettled with the I don't know a few things um, on a personal basis nothing wrong with the kind of service we're providing but on the one hand I think the health thing or just that idea of kind of commuting for a while. Um, so you have quite a sizable commute together? Um, just, I mean, it was based just north of Perth, so about half an hour, 45 minutes. But in in the winter, that thing of commuting, grabbing a coffee, sitting at your desk, working at your desk all day, commuting home again, and then being too knackered to do anything productive. So, yeah, so part of my thoughts were around that sense of, yeah, I don't know what the retirement age is going to be, 90 or whatever, when... Uh, when we retire, but just that sense of just growing older and fatter and less fit, <laughs> um, I kind of thought, yeah, could do with some improvement. But also, I think there's something we were particularly in corporate communications, um, so working a lot for big blue chip companies and stuff like that, which was fine. I don't think there's any kind of ethical disagreements with any of the work that I was involved in anyway. But I think what did get to me was often the stuff we were producing so I was maybe producing part of a video that was part of a much larger event for a company who'd already paid our company like loads of money to make that but it was maybe like a product launch or a kind of AGM video like here's how amazing we are as a company kind of here's what we've done for the last year so they pay Loads for that, but it was a video that the next day nobody cared about, you know. Probably not much ownership over the yeah. like the whole thing. And I, th- I think that, that was the thing, is we... I think when there is that sense of it's a larger project, then there's none of those con- controls in the sense of for the workhorse people, the editors, the graphics or, or whatever, there's su- such a bigger picture that when it comes to creative control, because it's corporate, a lot of that is less creative and more political so um, there's decision makers around the table and all of those guys need to have their way in on what they think so it becomes you get a list of changes back that you're two steps removed from so you can't necessarily explain easily yes this you can make that change but it'll have this effect on the video so you need to weigh that up it's a frustrating way to work as well because there's a sort of higher power that then yeah, sends down its amends to you and you just be like I am the monkey that makes yeah, the changes totally. and sends it back and, uh, and I think I mean there was like and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't badmouth the company at all like I think it, it was very successful at, at what it did and um, there's a lot of amazing people there but we kind of I think I used to laugh about the idea of this crap filter so that kind of everything would work together you'd make something you were quite happy with you know music the animation the editing and then you send it to the client, the client will send it and say, I really love what you've done, could you make it crap, please? <laughs> and then you'd have this kind of process of starting off something that you'd poured so much passion into that you just kind of, by the end of it, you were a bit weary and like, yeah, that's that's cool, it is what it is. Um, and the next thing, so... I think that's long, really true of so yeah. many people that are out working in yeah. creative design yeah, def- industries. Definitely, and, and then sometimes that comes, like say, from political things sometimes it comes from ego sometimes it comes from those kind of things like i swear down i had the comment of pretty much doing some kind of publicity or some kind of documentation kind of layout stuff 
Um, and it was literally changes coming back. Right, yeah, could you move that line down a bit? Oh, actually, my daughter likes red. Could you? <laughs> and you get that sense of, well, why are you paying? Why are you paying us if you want your daughter to make all the decisions? You know, yeah. So that's a kind of a long, rambling way of saying there was kind of yeah a bit of a discontent and in a sense of particularly for me wanting to use that skill set, wanting to use some of those creative impulses, but towards something that was less temporal. Either that or go into the, the kind of stuff you dream about, go and do all the cool stuff that you would need to go to London and work 12 hours for free to do, which, you know, isn't really my idea of fun either, but the stuff that inspired you when you went to college and it's all it's all rosy. But, yeah, so there's a kind of a sense of something a bit more, I don't know, long-lasting or, or meaningful in some way. And so I'd kind of had the interest in, in youth work in, in little different ways over the years, but I essentially went to seek out some wisdom from some friends because I figured if I leave my job to go to uni or something or study community work or whatever, then that's going to have a financial cost, not only in I'll have to pay for it, but if I've given up my job to do it, then that's kind of, yeah, like how is that going to work? And one of the people that I went to seek some wisdom from was girl called Alison who had been friends of friends at uni um, and she said oh I'm doing this thing which I'd heard rumblings about based in the centre of Dundee why don't you come along on a Saturday afternoon and just see what what we're doing what we're up to and I must have been there every Saturday afternoon for about a year and a bit before then actually getting an opportunity to get a job and kind of um, move that progress so I think the the dream at that point or the idea around that point was okay if we could do something that's helping people that's connected with community but it's also I don't know just doing mad art stuff or design things um, would be totally great but I think in terms of that journey I had to so I moved into a youth work role but I had to then backburn quite substantially the kind of creative input to get to actually learn the craft of youth so you work. So you had no real experience um, of youth work. So I had no, yeah, I had, I'd say it had a little bits and pieces, but all just kind of joining in here and there and a bit of volunteering. So I think, I definitely feel they took a risk. I think, you know, I don't want to undersell myself either. Like, I think there was good reasons why why they did, but there's definitely a risk of, okay, well, let's not take the guy who's a, a social work graduate or not, let's not take the guy who's been doing community work. Let's take this kind of left field choice and, and bring them in and develop them and, and they were really good to me and kind of um, eventually put me through some formal training and postgrad and stuff like that. But I think it was there was a big shift between going to something that you're five, four years in uni, five years professional, kind of on one trajectory, to then be working in a place where you're an absolute beginner again and the frustrations and anxieties that come from like, you know you're a beginner, but you feel in your head, like, it's taken me five years to get to a place where I, I can do what I do, and then suddenly everything's up in the air again. So I, I found that really humbling, but really exciting and really exhilarating in, in the sense of doing something entirely new and something that really pushed and challenged me. And I think at the same time, from the creative projects kind of side of things, I found it so refreshing that actually... 
working with young people, a lot of the energy and a lot of the challenge comes in actually, I think that sense of inspiration or that sense of here's what we could do, come and join in. And once they get on board, then they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And just like the ability to go from something that's so finely tuned in terms of the graphics or, you know, like I said, move it up a bit, move it down a bit and all those really anal changes, like <laughs> anal changes, that's my band. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, the Yeah, that's something really fine, something that was just really expressive and really able to just make a mess. And, and, and so I think that was something that was great. I think another thing that, that really took me for a loop was the idea that everything that I'd been doing up to that point was about product and about the idea that the end goal is everything. So whether whatever you're producing, that's what it's about. And we don't really care how you get there as long as you get there. And if we don't like it, you'll get there again, but overnight uh, until it's ready, until it's good to go. Whereas coming into this environment and a community work environment and learning some of the values that come along is that actually the gold is in the process. So it's about, okay, we're doing this photography workshop, but actually it doesn't matter if the photos are shit. It's about what that young person or what that community gets and learns and goes through on the way to that product. And I think once you prioritize that, then we've been on a learning journey for, okay, if you get that right and you get that order right, then you can go back on working. Actually, there's ways and there's means to actually make sure that the product is something that is great and is something they're going to be so proud of. But I think it, for me, it was that switch from being about the thing to being about the people, including myself, and what was actually happening during that process, which is fascinating. So. Plus, you, you've gone from quite a restricted environment where mm-hmm. you've sort of prescribed this is what you must do yeah, um, to going into an environment where it's about expression and about play and about trying things. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a real balance down here because we... We, first and foremost, um, what the, the kind of role of Hot Chocolate is, is we build relationships and grow community with the young people that hang out in a city centre. And that's done from a design perspective to, you know, call it co-production and make it all fancy. But actually, that's just what community approaches have been doing for, for years, that sense of we're not working for people, we're working with people. And so we don't want to come along with our agenda and say, here's our amazing programme, come and join in. We want to get alongside young people and say, what will we do together? Like, how are we going to make this what it is? And how can we support you within that? Um, which is kind of the key goal um, to be supporting young people on their own terms. And whether that's in crisis stuff or whether that's in aspirational stuff. So it could be I've been kicked out of home. I don't know where to go, but I know you guys and I know you love me. So actually, what do I do? Or it could be I want to go to art college, but I don't have a folio. Or I want to make it with my band but I've nowhere to practice you know so it it can go in all these directions but it's really about starting with a young person and I think that's one of the challenges because as much as we're heavily based in creative arts and music tends to be the mainstay um, we're actually not about that we're about youth-led practice and it just so happens that that's then the kind of young people that have come along have been championing that and have been interested in that and have kind of grown this culture um, that's really creative and really expressive. So 
that I'm really grateful for because I could be doing a youth work job somewhere else and it could look totally, totally different. I think that is, yeah, kind of been the journey into into youth work. But I think the second stage um, to that was something of a, a kind of shift for me in that I kind of felt like I'd gone from one thing directly to something totally different. And then I was mentioned this in other places, but I was watching a video by Gary Hustwit called Objectified, which is this brilliant film if you get a chance. And he, uh, I did interview Jonathan Ives, and Jonathan Ives in it talks about the curse of the designer and how you're, every day, you're basically looking at the world as it is, basically, and saying, ah, oh, why is this like this? How could it not be different? How could we not, um, I don't know, almost reimagine that? And it really struck me that, actually, as youth workers or community workers, that's exactly what we do. And so it got me on a train of thought of actually looking at kind of the field of design and the field of communities is actually really similar things in terms of, I guess, what I'd call a prophetic imagination. So there's a kind of status quo that we don't settle for and whether that's, I don't know, like the perfect weight of a spoon like, <laughs> or or whether that's actually about looking at a young person's life and saying, oh, why has it got to be like this? How do we work together to make something entirely new that nobody's thought of? And, and there's so many pressures, particularly on well, I suppose with, within Dundee, but particularly for young people, less and less jobs, more and more sanctions, stuff like that. It's actually young people in some ways are in that ideal place for entrepreneurship and for innovation because they have so few choices that they kind of, you're seeing people breaking out of that and having to rewrite the script in, in a sense. Obviously, at the same time, there's a lot of people being crushed by that. So it's a really difficult thing, but it started off in my head one it validated and kind of affirmed it in some sense okay I'm not just doing something totally different but actually I am using that same skill set and the second thing was actually working back into that and going okay well actually what does the design process look like in that completely different setting and so what are some of the things that we can do how can we look at a young person's journey in the sense of actually opening that up as a process of, of design and helping them to look at themselves, helping them to kind of iterate and, and think of ideas and, and prototype different um, ways of going forward. So I think that, that again, that journey is just kind of at its beginning, but it's given me a great excuse and the guys have been really good down here to actually humour me <laughs> and let me go off on, on all these mad adventures and, and actually get chatting to some of the great guys that are doing really good creative work in Dundee and say, okay, how does this cross over and what can we teach each other, basically? How can we have that conversation, not only about what design can give to community work, but also actually how can community work speak into the creative sector and some of the stuff that's going on and, and how can we bring it back to being about people first and foremost? So, yeah, so that's kind of my journey. <laughs> so so yeah. what's... What's your actual role within hot chocolate? Okay. How do you fit in this? <laughs> you, you don't want to ask this. I've got about what, two main roles that are both split into two main other roles. But the the biggest role that I have is volunteer manager. So it's kind of um, come on from being a kind of field time youth worker, spending lots of time with young people, to actually taking a step back, rearranging and saying, actually, rather than concentrate all this on one youth worker, actually 
if that youth worker invests more time in volunteers, then they can do much more of the face-to-face stuff at a better level. So a lot of that is training and equipping. And we, like, the bulk of our work, like, we have a, a kind of staff team, but the bulk of our work is done by volunteers from all kind of different um, backgrounds and uh, and stuff. So the bulk of that is working with them. Um, my other role is something called the Amplify Project, which is basically looking at developing, what Chocolate's always done training and consultation in different ways, but developing our external training portfolio. So, and doing a couple of things that we can actually do on a rolling basis that people can, particularly within community work, can access and, and kind of learn good practice and learn actually, yeah, a lot more creative stuff. And I mean, we've been on the go. I've not been here for 15 years, but Hot Chocolate's been on the go for 15 years and there's loads of learning through loads of mistakes, essentially like the best patterns and, you know, obviously successes as well. But I think the, yeah, one of the key things being able to recognise and being able to get alongside people and, and say, okay, we're we're not the experts in this, but we're on this journey and, and we do have things that we've learned. So whether that's around youth work skills or whether that's around monitoring and evaluation, how do you tell your story, how to get funded in or or whether that's around actually creative skills for for youth workers or whether that's around youth work skills for creative practitioners who just happen to find themselves in a youth work setting like which I think a lot of people do get segued into these different things and suddenly are like oh how do I keep myself is it okay to you know go in a dark room with like a small (laughs) person and not like you know leave myself liable or how do I deal with the challenging behavior or you know, how do I interact in a a healthy way with the LGBT community and there's there's all these kind of I think anxieties. So I think part of that is kind of beginning to to develop that broad training base. Um and then half a day a week, my little golden time, is basically around this whole conversation of design and youth work and, and what does that mean and, and where does that go. So some of that is working back into some research that we've done, working with young people to say, yeah, what does design mean for a young person in terms of expression, in terms of therapeutic elements of it, what does design mean for mental health, for example. Um, So I think there's lots of research being done around design as a problem solver and and that kind of design thinking change of that we're seeing more and more chat of around like, okay, we can get together, we can solve problems in different ways and that's why it's so attractive to business and to education and, and some of these different models um, but I think there's something about actually seeing it in practice and seeing actually what is it that for that young person that nothing else is working but when they get immersed in a sketchbook or when they get to make their mark when they get to get lost in the process that it just makes everything okay again or you know and whether that's escapism or whether that's actually working through some of their issues and, and just getting things out there I think there's yeah, there's really exciting stuff in there, um, which I think often gets lost with that glossy sheen of like the packaged design thinking. <laughs> yeah, so, I think you know there is a an aspect of design where it's about visual presentation. Yeah, and definitely. You spend your time training to mm-hmm. create the most beautiful visuals yeah. and the most amazing experience, but often the most interesting stuff happens in that process. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I would I'd say there's 
and it's interesting actually. It's interesting working with you know, we work with twelve to twenty one year olds, and and when it's guys like that, and some of those will be really kind of gifted and going to go down that tra- trajectory of art college or or any film school, any of those kind of mediums. Some of those guys are and totally different things or really struggling. So some of those guys have fantastic talent. Some of those guys are just like can't draw at all like but I'll, I just love it and like like to have a go and I think it's really refreshing getting back to that stage and thinking actually yeah by the time you know you've you've honed your craft and you do so many things automatically it's it's nice to go and think oh yeah what was it like back then that was that was kind of working away and why was it so inspiring and this is a thing for for me that I've been thinking about a lot which is uh, we did a a music residential recently took some young people out to a house in the country and just did songwriting, recording, performance, that kind of thing. And um, but the theme of the weekend was exposure. Um, so both in terms of I don't know the book being in the wilderness and kind of the elements, but also that primarily that thing of putting yourself out there. The idea that there's a a kind of a cost to any kind of expression, any kind of performance, and and whether that's musically or whether that's design or art the sense that there's something of you in that, whatever it is you're doing, there's something of you in that, and there's always that anxiety of, like, will it be good enough? Like, you know, will it, I don't know, will it make it, kind of, do it, will other people resonate with it, um, or am I just going to get laughed down? I don't know if that ever goes away through a creative career, but I think it's really interesting that I think there's, to me, there's a cost to, to design, there's a cost to creativity, but there's also... A real need for people or I don't know if, if other people are like me in this that there's a part of me that's just like I just have to <laughs> have to create something I have to do something I have to keep going with those impulses and I think that's a really interesting thing why humans feel the need to do that if they're putting themselves into such turmoil you know so and that's what makes it interesting you know yeah but then I think the turmoil comes from other people's opinions yeah so it's it's not necessarily the expression and the outlet yeah. that you get from that creativity it's like uh-huh. if I put this into the world yeah uh-huh. where where does that sit is that yeah. of good quality like for and my I, age for my skill level for it, yeah it, you don't necessarily have to share it just because yeah. we put everything online now it doesn't mean that yeah that's true everything you make um, you have to put in it and I, th- I, th- I think for for that as well I think I have this this two-layer thing of you put it out to the world, but I think you have to put it out to yourself first. And for some people, it's getting past that stage of just crumpling up endless bits of paper and throwing them across the room. <laughs> no, it's not good enough. And that's often a worse critic than the, than the world, like, you know. But then we're sort of, you know, even so. in the way that, say, Instagram or Facebook yeah. or Twitter works, we measure ourselves based upon the number of likes or yeah, retweets totally. or whatever and it might be. It's fascinating. So you're sort of searching for that affirmation that, yeah, yeah, people like things me are, yeah. people like thing that I did, but yeah, and it's a it's a really it's a really human compulsion. But I don't, yeah, I I wonder. I mean, lots of people have lots of motives for making things. I think it's it's often I don't think we, or certainly the people I know, often make things for people to like. I think that comes as a secondary stage. But I think there's also a very human need for validation and and for that reciprocal kind of respect and I want to go back a little bit and yeah. just give an overview of hot chocolate because I don't think we really yeah. said what it is. Sure. Um so hot chocolate is a youth work charity and it's based in a steeple church in Dundee, which is the big church outside the Overgate 
And basically, it's a community project where young people can come. We Our starting basis is we have three kind of drop-in sessions a week where young people come, the doors are open, and we anyone between 12 and 21 can come down and just basically get to know each other, get to hang out, get to use the space. Um, and we've got a bunch of different spaces. We've got art room, we've got a music room, PA set up, and we've got kind of lounge space, we've got kitchen space and stuff like that. But really it's about making space for, for young people to, to exist in a way that is actually owned and led by them. So we don't come with a set programme unless it's something that's come out of the needs or the wants of the young people. So a young person might say, um, oh, you guys should totally put on a gig and we'll be like, well, I'm not doing that, you're doing that. <laughs> we'll help you do that. But out with of those drop-in sessions where we build relationships, we uh, can then support young people in a number of ways. So that often looks like individual support. So meeting up one-to-one for some people uh, that might be around issues or struggles. For some people that might be around aspirations um, but we concentrate on holistic development so basically any area of their life and often I think the thing that is valuable here is less about us being the experts although we do know a lot it's more about knowing the people in every different field that can actually be useful to young people that can be helpful to young people because I think we work with a whole spectrum of young people but there's a lot of young people that are just really marginalized and really quite vulnerable in in different ways that actually, due to different situations, actually have a lot of barriers to accessing what are quite often good services around, but because it's just a cold, imposing building or appointments are at nine o'clock because that's when people make appointments, but they've not worked in five years, you know, or any of these kind of things um, we can support around. But yeah, a big part of that that's come out of the, the young people is the idea of just a really rich creative scene and so we'll often young people that are down here are um, interested in music or art or film or photography or or a number of different um, expressions and we'll kind of foster that in giving people opportunities so it'll be a mix of stuff that young people are coming up with stuff that young people are driving and stuff that young people would never think of so yeah so we do a lot of individual support we do a lot of group work and we do um, residentials as well, so taking young people away for the weekend for different experiences. And and really it's about supporting them on their terms, I think. I think the one thing that has stayed true to, to Hot Chocolate, I think it's really interesting because in some senses it's quite an old school approach to have, you know, the youth centre, and we'll remember Biker Grove and all the rest of, of that, or, or whatever equivalent. And that kind of, I think, got kind of dated and, and left behind in many ways through a lot of different things but I think primarily on different focuses and agendas that actually pushed towards things like oh we've you know there's employment issues so actually let's push all our provision into employability or let's push all our sources into training or, or different things that actually just a space to be kind of wasn't maybe seen maybe nationally, as having as much worth as if you're doing something or if there's if there's an easy connection from A to B. So that's like, right, get this many young people on this many courses. And what's interesting is that then people come back around 
you know, 20 years later or whatever, and they go, oh, wow, like, this really works, it's really innovative what you're doing. Can I come back? Can we see? Can we analyse this? And uh, But it's not rocket science, it's treat people like people. <laughs> like, And I think, you know, there there's different things that we've we've learned, but I think that's really at the heart of it. And I think something that this stayed with me is is the idea we have this idea in the culture playstation nicked it for an advert years ago of of the third space and the idea that actually everybody needs a separate place other than their home and other than their place of work or their school or or learning where they can be stimulated and grow and and develop whether that's an interest or, or a hobby and for you or me that may be the pub that might be coffee shop you know but for young people in many situations, there's not those kind of outlets, there's not those options. So naturally, young people gravitate towards outside spaces. But every outside space that young people congregate at, they're asked nicely to move on. So there's that kind of nomadic thing begins to happen. And there's just not, you know, unless you've got money or unless you have particular opportunity, then there's a real problem there. So I think just making a space for young people to be and start and say, right, what do you guys want to do? I think it's just, yeah, that's where imagination takes off and we can do great things. So. You sort of touched on a couple of the, the projects that mm-hmm. you've done, like um, sort of photography stuff and, yeah. and things like that. Where, does the, where do the ideas, where do the inspiration in that come from? Um, lots of different places. I guess, again, it's, it's continually that, that dance between kind of what young people want to do and, ju- and just ideas and also who's actually around. Like we're more than the sum of our parts in terms of like all our volunteers come from different backgrounds, all our, all our staff are from various backgrounds and we'll partner um, quite a lot with different people. So recently over the last year, we've been partnering a lot with Biome Collective here in Dundee. So doing a lot of digital games design stuff. And I think that was something that had been an interest of young people, but also wasn't something that they really got the chance to do. So we kind of opened that up quite a lot. Also, we tend to do a lot of work around themes so for example we have a big summer project normally a three-week summer project and this year's theme it was called metamorphosis basically the idea of that was about growth and change so whether that was personal whether that was in the city whether that was global the idea that actually we can explore all the different issues we can get into people's needs and and where they are and get them to think deeper but will not do that by sitting people down and saying like this is what you need to do or or that we'll actually kind of abstract it and we'll take a theme like that and we'll get a bunch of young people together and we'll go right okay what could this look like what could we do often it's the it's the themes being used as containers for helping all of us together like team and young people to explore to find a language to explore stuff and then so naturally that goes off in a million different directions so yeah sorry that's a rather long and windy answer to a simple question but do you obviously like give these skills to young people and you Mm. help them grow and develop yeah but what what have you personally got out of being here oh man loads (laughs) um i think naturally like so i started as a volunteer and you think maybe i can use my skills to part my wisdom or something like but just meeting people that are so worlds apart from yourself in any situation I think you just learn so much so 
for one of getting locked up or something, I think you get addicted to, to the community, like or to the young people. Like you, they just get their claws in you. And for me, it's just it's those relationships that have that have genuinely just taught me lots. One of the things that's been a big learner for me is as well is that I'm quite a solution focused person, but here one of our values is that we're not here to fix people. We're here to walk with people, and we will be able to input and to resource the things that they're doing but actually it's not for us to like you know make their decisions for them and I think the thing of just being able to sit in the mess with people and actually just acknowledge and listen is something and I think that goes across into any creative sector whether you're dealing with a brief or whether you're trying to come up with something that's going to actually be impactful it's taught me to listen a lot a lot better yeah so so what's what's the most challenging part of the job? Man, uh, I think partially that thing that you're not person centered, so that you can, if you're a control freak like me, like that's there's a dissonance like of, oh we should do this, but if young people don't want to do that, <laughs> then we're doing something else. You know, there's no we only, you know, we're not going to do things for the sake of it. So yeah, I think that can be a challenge trying to just work out where the right step is in, in the kind of patient pool of that but also because my role's got many many arms and legs then just balancing everything and I think particularly we're in a place where you've got I think most people here have got things that they're trying to develop things that they need to do in a big to-do list but there's also the idea that actually the more youth work you do the more youth work there is to do so the more you get to know a young person the more they share their story, the more ways you could support or the more things that we need to unravel and deal with. So I think that sense of the balance between responsive stuff, which is always going to take priority over that kind of longer developmental stuff or kind of project work and stuff like that. Um, And so, yeah, I think trying to learn the balance because stuff can't be on the back burner all the time either. So trying to manage time is a fun game that I try to play uh, works better sometimes than others so yeah we've talked about before about um, that idea of like the longevity and the, the sort of mm. frameworks that put in place mm. and you said as well about people coming to you and saying the things that you're doing are amazingly innovative mm. chat a bit about that and how how the stuff that you're doing you're actually mm. looking at how you take it from here and use uh-huh. it another model like you create a model and then use uh-huh. it in other places yeah, I th- well, I think um, in some senses, I'd almost go for the opposite of that. <laughs> okay. um, in that, I think that's one of the things that kind of happened quite a lot. I think particularly early on is that um, people see what you're doing and, and the kind of backstory to hot chocolate and why it's got a silly name and stuff is because it started as a as a detached project out on the grass outside the, the church and um, there was a student on placement in the church and she um, or somebody involved had noticed like man there's this really interesting amazing alternative community kind of on one side of the wall and there's this other thriving community on the inside but there's no kind of crossover or, or they're just like they were struck by the the idea of that so she got given some of her hours she was, she was working with the guys in there but they were like you know just go out and see not to I don't know, get bums on seats in church, but or not even to start a youth project of any kind, but just to actually to see what would happen. And, and so they went out 
literally just with a table and some hot chocolate and just gave it out and, and started building those relationships and basically discovered, yeah, there's every urban issue here um, that you can think of. And there's also amazing creativity, amazing inspiration and ambition and, and all that. And so they started from that small seed and it's, and it's kind of grown. But quite often when groups come or are or, or looking at, you know, oh, I want to do some kind of youth work project, it's, they kind of focus in on things like that and almost the want to do the franchise model of, oh, that worked there. So if we just uproot that and stick it over somewhere else. In the early days, I think they spent a lot of time saying, well, don't do that. Like, actually think about your context, think about where you're at and what is going to work. So I think there there is learning to bring over, and I think there's always a conversation, but I'd, I'd be really wary about kind of that, that sense of, oh, that works there, so we'll just wholesale it. But I think for me, the, the lasting, in terms of communities anyway, I think the lasting lesson within that is actually spending the time to get to know a community and I think that's something that design can be varying levels of good at because I think we have this kind of everybody's got their different systems of kind of empathy mapping like what's it going to be like for the customer what's it going to be like for the consumer um, but I think there's definitely ways that we can actually ask people like you know uh, let's just not imagine what what life is like for people um who who are going to be using whatever it is that we've got but let's get alongside them and let's really get to know them i suppose but you know time is money so <laughs> it's just it's a, it's a problem so so aside from, yeah. from this um i know mm-hmm. you run a few yeah. projects of your own yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah talk a little bit about just those projects and how you balance the, the two. Yeah, um, so I'm doing a few things at the minute. Um, I do a bit of freelance work, um, so a bit of film and, and a bit of graphic stuff. And I also I have a small online business um, called Tekel and Hyde, which is like a t-shirt kind of thing. But I'll come back, back to that, I suppose. Yeah, I think the balance thing is always really interesting because I have a full-time job and I have a, a wife and a, a seven-year-old son as well and it's been really nice over the last couple of years to kind of have that just different opportunities have come up to actually do some other bits and pieces which has has been brilliant but I think trying to balance that is always quite a, a trick but I think it's that cost benefit way up thing of actually sometimes it's those side project things that actually inspire you for for your your kind of mainstay work or or just doing something slightly different can help you think in a different way luxury i have i guess is i have a job (laughs) like and um and so i'm not relying on any freelance commissions to to kind of pave my way so i don't have the pressure i remember when i when i was thinking about leaving my my previous job uh, that was one of the big things will i go freelance and the sense that actually if i do go freelance does that mean i'm just going to have to take any job i can get which is unlikely to be the jobs that i want to do so that's been a really beautiful thing just to be able to say well i can pick and choose and if it really interests me then i'll do it and if it doesn't then we'll just you know chill (laughs) so yeah so tackle and hide how, how did that come about Tekel and Hyde came about as a little kind of a little love letter to Dundee <laughs> in some senses and just out of the kind of stupid banter that we have in, in work um, and just 
turning most of our conversations into little puns and yeah silly little jokes but from that it was a combination of, of that kind of thing and basically what it is is t-shirts with little phrases on them that are related to areas of Dundee and I think two things kind of fueled that one was that actually it tends to be out with of work if I don't have projects on then I'll just be messing about on Illustrator or Photoshop or different things anyway and we also keep coming up with all these garbage phrases and stupid little things. So it was really just an idea. And we came across a friend of mine had been using the Spreadshirt platform, which has been around for donkeys. But it, it struck me as an idea that actually, and if you don't know how that works, it's kind of basically all you need to do with that platform is you upload your design and they have kind of preset t-shirts, whatever else. And... You decide your own commission. They obviously take a, a cost off the end users, pay for their part in it. They'll do all the production and sending it out and stuff. So really for someone that is working full time, I was like, that's ideal. And it wasn't really to, to make money. And actually it's, I kind of like the self-destructive nature of it. Like it's the worst plan ever to do a line of t-shirts that, you know, only the person on such and such a street that gets that particular pop culture reference is going to want to buy that t-shirt, you know? So it can never really be about that, but I, th- I kind of like that as a, as a little format for something different. And every now and again, if, if an email pops up and says, oh, you've sold a t-shirt, I'm like, yay. It really started out of that, just that sense of to have an, another little focus. Cause I think sometimes with, you've got all these ideas kicking about, but it just helps to have something to aim towards um, or something to to turn that into something more than just a, yeah something that's rattling about your head so yeah it's a sort of yeah. thing like and yeah we were talking about before yeah it's like definitely that you so, don't find in your day job but for you it's a it's a, it's a thing that yeah. exists now and it can just run in the background yeah so it's kind of it's, so it's it's been nice because it's given a, a framework to some of that that thought and also i think the I don't know, I just, you know, I say jokingly it's a love letter to Dundee, but Dundonians are such a great people and I've obviously kind of spent, I think they've spent, yeah, more time now in Dundee than I have in Dunfermline where I grew up, which is a strange way to be, but I think, yeah, so just kind of processing that and seeing some of the some of the really positive things that are happening in Dundee and, and also knowing from different people's experiences that the people that slag off Dundee the most are often the people that are from Dundee and so I think just want to do something that's I don't know in my mind hopefully respectful uh, and also just playful and fun but yeah I think that's kind so, of what that's about really <laughs> So what's your sort of perspective on mm-hmm. the city at, as it is at the moment? I think Dundee has such a yeah I think Dundee's a fascinating place and I think it it's almost a city of two stories and, and, and I think Dundee on the one hand has such an issue with poverty it has a lot going on in terms of the issues um, and the needs on the other hand it's got as we know a kind of burgeoning creative scene and a lot of redevelopment and a lot of investment in particular areas it's often polarised into either that perspective of gentrifying it and there's you know everything out with of the Kingsway is, is left or there's there's no good and there's a kind of a 
uh, self-righteous indignance sometimes, or there's this kind of really shiny, oh, Dundee's going to be amazing, and it's going to be great for everybody, and particularly because design's involved, and that's the new magic bullet that will save the world. And I think, for me, there's elements of truth in both, you know, and I think we're dealing with complex times, and on the whole, I think I see the the redevelopments as a, as a really good thing and as an opportunity that could be brilliant for Dundee. The trick and the question is how do we bring the people with us in a sense, or how do we not even that? How do we actually how do we go to the people? And and I think actually some of the some of the work the VNA has been doing has really been quite encouraging and quite affirming. Um, and I think there's a lot of I think it probably helps that they don't have their iconic building yet <laughs> because they're getting out and they're getting their hands dirty and, and that's been that's been really great to see. But I think there is this strange push and pull of, of who is this for, who is it serving, and I think ultimately we want it to be just something I would love to, to just see Dundonians from all over the place having that sense of I'm so proud of my city. But I think, I guess going back historically even, I think it's always been seen as an underdog city, which has been true and, and it's been in, through a lot of industrial nature of it, but there's always been huge poverty in Dundee. But if you look at the history of innovation and all the things that were invented here and, and all the different ways that Dundee's excelled itself, it's held that tension for a long, long time. I don't think this is a new, a new thing and I think it's almost that underdog-ness. <laughs> It's not a word that gives it a sense of fight and a sense of or its ability to, to do things differently. Particularly, I guess if if you look at the the art college and how, to my mind, that's went from from strength to strength. I think that's or certainly my experience when I was there a hundred years ago or whatever. There was a, a real sense that Edinburgh and Glasgow could kind of rest on their laurels because they were Edinburgh and Glasgow and because they had prestige and. And history, but I think there's been a sense here of yeah, I think there's always been a bit of a upsetter movement of no one else is going to do this, so I'm going to do it for myself. If you take Tim Roof, for example, Collective, and some of those guys just saying, well, okay, there's limited opportunities. Everyone is moving elsewhere as soon as they graduate, so actually, no one else is going to do this. So actually, let's just start something ourselves. And there's quite a, a kind of punk DIY attitude towards that about about Dundee which I really admire but I think it is about how do we how do we connect and, and have roots that are meaningful in the city and hold that to account. A friend of mine, Sam Gonzalez, made a film recently um, called The Lifespan of Utopias. I don't know if, you, if you've seen it. It's on, it was on at the Masters show earlier but it was looking at well it's looking at the ideas of, of utopian dreams and visions particularly in relation to cities but it uses his Dundee and it uses Brazil as examples within that but it talks about basically how when the particularly the Alexander Street Maltese but when the Maltese went up in Dundee there was this idea, this sense of this is the new future for Dundee, this is going to be it, you know, this is going to take us to the next level solve a lot of the ills that are going on and there's this kind of sense of momentum and, and I think to a degree, there was a lot of you know good that that went into that, um, but obviously at the minute or in the past number of years, there's been all those issues that have made and it's 
complex stuff. I wouldn't simplify it, but that's meant that actually bringing down the multis has been the, the way to go. And, and there's different arguments and, and things all around whether that was a good idea or, or how and what that affected. But I think it's really interesting that that comes down and now you've got this wave of or the VNA or the waterfront, it's like almost like the new utopia. And interestingly, they're using the bricks from the Maltese to build this kind of new dream, which is is almost something really interesting about this cyclical nature that is is both as creatives and as designers. I think there's something that we have to imagine new things. We have to push things further, but somehow we have to learn as well, and something somehow we have to connect it in ways that could take for in however many years, like half a century, for them to be like ripping down the VNA like it was Olympia, going, well, that was a waste of time, <laughs> you know. So I think there's some really interesting chat to be had. And I think there's this kind of perspective, almost like you need to have your, your head in, your, in the clouds, but your feet on the ground. And uh, yeah, who knows where we'll go from here. But I think it's exciting times for Dundee. What's the future for you then? For me? <laughs> um, what's the future for me? That's a good question. I think, um, I don't know, there's a lot of different ways that could go. I think I'm, I'm pretty firmly rooted within hot chocolate in the kind of, or at least work-wise, within the idea of just pushing that, how can we do what we do, but how can we do it better? How can we learn from it? How can we join the dots? And I think particularly, how can we speak into some of some of that conversation um, about where Dundee goes from here and about how the creative sector and how design is relevant towards that. I think we... Multiple possibilities. Um, there's some exciting things on the horizon, potentially, that we can't even talk about, which is always nice. They're always the exciting um, things. I know. Um, but I think, for me, yeah, there's lots of different ways we can develop, lots of ways we can go. But I think, for me, there's that thing of it has to come back, at least for hot chocolate, um, and for, for me within that, it has to come back to actually is it serving you know there's a million things we could do but is it serving the young people and if it is then brilliant you know let's do it if it's not then let's not <laughs> so and other than that I don't know maybe go on holiday <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone wants to get involved with Hot Chocolate or come and speak to you guys or even just get in touch with you where do sure. they find you um, you can, where can you find me? I'll be wandering about the town centre mostly. Um, you can hit me up at uh, either if it's a hot chocolate related thing, if you're interested in seeing it or volunteering or, or anything like that. Andy at hotchocolate.org.uk. Um, Andy with a Y, obviously, because anyone away would be silly. And yeah, we've got our open night coming up in April. Yeah, April 26th. And they'll be, yeah, we'll try and publicise that. And yeah, you can get in touch with me, Andy at hotchocolate.org.uk. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Please come and say hi. Great, thank you. Go, no worries. And that was episode 16. Big thanks to Andy for coming on and, as I mentioned at the start, for giving me the tour around hot chocolate. And if you have been inspired by this podcast and think, ah, oh, I'd quite like to get involved with some of those projects, 
just get in touch with Andy at the, the email address that he dropped in. It's also in the show notes. Um, or if you just like to chat to Andy on an unhot chocolate related note, uh, you can get in touch with him at andyshoutsatme.com. And also check out his t shirts, they are fantastic, sort of hyper local, really funny, Dundonian based t shirts. And that's techonhide.com or on Twitter at techonhide. So that's it for this week. If you did enjoy the episode, really appreciate uh, tweets and retweets just to help spread the word. And again, follow on at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram for all the updates. And that's it. I'll catch you next week.